Uh, it's a lot of pressure on me coming into this episode because since the release of the podcast, somehow we've managed to be sort of consistently featured in the performing arts charts and the arts charts on iTunes and doing very well, which is great. I'm very excited by that fact, but also terrifying. It's terrifying because... Um, it already was taking me 30 to 40 takes to do these introductions. And I mean, it's it's now just off the chain. Um, so what I'm going to do is just push on through. Welcome, welcome to the third episode of Stage Milk Acting Conversations. This interview today was the first one I did in this series. And I chat with Chris Edmund, who was the ex-head of of acting at WAPA, which is the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts, which is one of the top drama schools here in Australia and really around the world, in fact. Um, it's been doing very well for years. Um, some of the top grads, I mean, most notably Hugh Jackman, um, but also recently Jai Courtney and, and, and just many, many other great actors um, have come out of WAPA. Um, and Chris, when I was there, I studied there myself, um, was the head and has seen generations of actors um, go through a kind of formal training process. So I thought he would be a great guy to chat to about getting into drama school, picking the right audition pieces, um, making the most of drama school, um, and also just about you know stuff he learned from seeing that many actors at that early stage in their careers. Um, so it's a great chat. It was my first interview, so I was very nervous and we were on Skype. So the quality may not be as good as some of the previous podcasts, but the content definitely is from Chris. He um, has some great insights. And what else? Nothing at all. I hope you enjoy my chat with Chris Edmund. This podcast is brought to you by MEAA, which is the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance. If you're an actor in Australia, you need to be a part of MEAA. And I could go on some grandiose rant about why that is, but suffice to say, we're stronger together. Right. Lovely little slogan, but it's very true. As actors, community is incredibly important. It's incredibly important for our mental health, for creating work, but also for fighting for our rights. And this is the body that is making that happen. These are the people that are standing up for performers every single day. So please, if you're an actor, jump on meaa.org. There's a nice join button up the top. Check it out. It's really simple to do. And it's a very minimal cost for what you get and for how much... Um, it helps us as an industry and as actors and performers. So please get on board, meaa.org. So we'll dive straight in. Um, you have been, well, at Whopper in some capacity, which is the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts, one of the top drama schools in Australia for 30 years, I believe. And you were head of acting for 12, is that right? Yes, 12 or 13, something like that. Yeah, yeah I had yeah. a 30-year th association with Whopper from when I first 
was invited over in um, 1983 from London to uh, to direct and uh, and teach. Yeah, so a very long association with it. Yeah, brilliant. And when did you um, when did you start taking part in the sort of yearly audition circuit of taking in new students? Was that when you were the head, or that was sort of earlier no, on? No, it, it was earlier on because I was I was what was called head of directing for a while, and it was sporadic. So um, from the very beginning, I always um, did the Perth auditions. Yeah, and then occasionally I would uh, go on the audition tour and um, also do the interviews for directing course students as well as auditioning the actors. So, mm, you know, probably yeah, probably over the twenty five years, really. I mean, yeah, I was wow. always auditioning every year and and viewing all the, uh, you know, because we always recorded people's work and uh, and you know we all reflected on it. So yeah, so I've seen lots of auditions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so you know, obviously doing that that amount of auditioning year in and year out, and working, I guess, mainly with with younger actors. When yes. when when they're in front of you, especially in that initial audition, is there particular qualities that you're sort of instantly looking for in terms of because obviously you have to fit them into a class, or you're thinking about taking them on uh, for further training. What is the kind of initial thing you're looking for or is there an, an initial thing you're looking for well, well there is obviously just how well they've prepared how well uh, how seriously they've taken it in terms of their preparation with the, the you know the pieces that they're doing and their flexibility about how they work with that um, and of course that initial um, uh, and at Wapo we always did a one-on-one -on -one audition the, mm. the first one for 15 minutes so you just get an impression of someone and just see you know what their work was how they look how they related to you how flexible they were in their work how willing they were to change their preparation those sorts of things mm. and then there would always be um, uh, uh, a callback which would be kind of you know a morning and an afternoon and that would be the point where not only would you observe um, you know their work again how flexible they are how if they can go deeper with the work, if they're able to, if they're willing to, but also to try and get a sense of what they're like as people because, you know, you're going to have to spend three years with them mm. and uh, they've got to spend three years with 17 other people. Um, and so, you know, the sense of ensemble, and which is very, um, you know, I think typifies uh, Whopper's work, if you like, you know, that, that sort of sense of uh, generosity, which hopefully we... Um, you know, was part of it, would be important to identify. Mm. Um, because looking over the years, sometimes it, it, it's a curious thing, but some years, you know, just sort of fall apart and some years really prosper and some years are close and some years aren't. And often it would be to do with the dominant personalities, I found. Mm. So if the dominant people in the year were really positive let, let's let's do this we, you know people then that had a fantastic effect on the year but it's very easy for negative personalities particularly if they're strong personalities to actually not, not poison the year that's probably the wrong word but to actually um you know put put things into place in the year undermine that can actually really um have a negative impact on the year and also on the work, of course. So you're trying to gauge on a relatively short, you know, um, exposure to to the uh, 
to the people auditioning whether they're going to prosper, you know, whether they're going to be great students to train, who you think will be flexible, who are going to not just stay static but will will move will move on, but also function well as part of an ensemble. So that that was the tricky balance. Mm. Yeah. So you're, yeah, it's definitely the personality is is a big part of it, and trying to make sort of balance the year out in a way as well as just who who you think is a great actor or who has great potential. No, that's right. Yeah. Um, and on that, you mentioned, I think the first thing you said was preparation, yeah. um, which obviously is very important. But do, is there times where, dare I use the word talent, or that, that where you, you pay, perhaps someone isn't as prepared, but it's, it's also about just seeing that raw quality. Yes, um, that does happen. And, I'm, you know, someone I won't mention the person's name sprang immediately to mind who, um, who we auditioned and actually hadn't prepared well. Mm. Um, but um, um, myself and my fellow uh, auditioner uh, said to this person, look, you know, actually kind of not, not really the riot act, but actually said, look, we're going to give you another chance, but you bet, you know, uh, go away, work hard, come back tomorrow or the following day, whatever it was, and let's really see what you're made of. And so we gave this person another opportunity. Um, but usually, I mean, I must say, I think I find the people who um, did get through were the people who had prepared well, mm. because it, it is an indicator, actually, you know, whether whether they're going to take it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So on that, if um, with that being such an important element, what what would you su- suggest to perhaps a student who's maybe, you know, someone's looking at auditioning for the drama schools maybe three months out or six yes. months out? What do, what do you think that preparation consists of? For, for You know, perhaps if it's someone straight out of high school where they don't have the toolbox that maybe That's someone true. like me has trained, you know, what, what is that preparation about, do you think, to get well, ready? Sometimes it's a good idea to actually go. I mean, I used to run audition preparation classes for people and often would they be school leavers or – and sometimes people who even, you know, would be a couple of years off auditioning just to get a sort of taste of what it might actually be like. Um, the issue, sort of going back to your your thing about often, you know, high school students or people who are leaving at seven, uh, auditioning at seventeen or eighteen, is they've done a lot of high school drama, which often has meant their performances are very broad, or they're indicating, or they're signalling, um, and the the big thing I always found particularly with that age group around that was to always sort of bring them down to make it much more truthful and to say, you know, have you really explored what this is about, this being mm. the reality of it? And often they won't have done. They're performing it rather than um, inhabiting it, uh, which is what obviously what we, we tended to look for, that ability to contact um uh, you know, to really contact the reality, the truth of a speech. Yeah. So I really suggest viewing it in that light. But you know, you you know, talk to people, and if there are classes available, and I'm sure there are in Sydney. I'm doing some, you know, later in this year in Melbourne. It's a good idea just so you get that experience before mm. you walk into the room of actually what it's like to see, you know, two f- friendly but potentially forbidding-looking people um, in front of you and, what, um, you know, how you deal with that. Well, I think, yeah, I think as well it's just about, um, yeah, getting comfortable because especially if you haven't auditioned much, those initial nerves can affect you so greatly. Um, yes. I, I found just in my years auditioning for drama school, just getting in front of anyone you could, um, 
you know, and getting people to give you sort of mock direction to try changing and try working it so that you're not being thrown, you know, because I think a lot of people, and I saw over the years, would really come into an audition with a fixed idea of how the monologue is. You know, you can even see they planned out maybe how many steps to move forward. And and, And that's that's disastrous, usually. Yeah. I mean, Um, not disastrous in the initial thing, but, you know, and just sort of always we would try often to just to do exactly the opposite of what they prepared. And whether it, you know, not that it's right or wrong, but just to say, can they, you know, Mm. are they able to do this very, you know, whatever they've, you know, done in their bedroom, can they actually take it down or sometimes, you know, uh, make it bigger, you know, can you say, you know, if if someone is very small, say, what's it like if you, how are you going to open it up if you, if you, you know, an audience of a thousand in a, in a huge theatre, just have a go, show us, Mm. have you got the, you know, which, and we're looking for, have you got the energy, have you got the dynamism to do that? And also the same, if someone is doing very indicated performance-based work, then, you know, what's it like if you, can you bring it right down as if a camera's right next to your face? Yeah. Can you, you know, just, just, just to see if they can and sometimes throw, you know, all sorts of things. And I'd often rely on just my instinct in front of them just to, you know, to say, do this, do that, try this, try that, and, you know, whatever it might be, just to test that flexibility. But it really is always, to me, just... um uh, you know, going back to w- what it is truthful about the speech, and people almost always avoid that. Curiously enough, the, <laughs> yeah. the, given, the given circumstances. You know, it's like Hamlet's speech. You know, if it was Hamlet's, um, you know, uh, uh, about um, you know d- depression, really. You know, uh, his his speech where he's talking about. Uh, this goodly frame, the earth seems a sterile promontory. Um, sometimes I would, you know, say to people, "Have you ever?" you know, felt what it's like to be depressed, if you have, you know, because actually, you know, he's talking about what it is to be in the middle of a kind of breakdown, you know, of someone actually on the edge of, of, of despair. Uh, and people would often, I would find that the people auditioning would just avoid that completely. Yeah, I think, and I think especially, I'm, I'm sure you find with Shakespeare, uh, in particular, yeah. that people have a, have a notion maybe coming out of um, high school of maybe holding the text too high and not realising that, it, you know, even with a great, you know, a very complex text or, you know, a, an older text, um, that it still comes down to yeah, being I mean, as truthful as possible. Well, that's right. Um, you know, particularly with Shakespeare, I mean, it's about me and you, you know, it's mm. a about people in situations which they, you know, in Hamlet's case is unable to control or make a decision about. And I think, you know, it comes even to students, you know, putting on a Shakespeare voice or a version of it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just do it as you. Well, you know, I think just, I just, think it took me about two years to get rid of the Shakespeare voice at drama school. <laughs> I probably still haven't completely. Um, but it's tempting, you know, because you think, oh, it's heightened language, therefore yeah. I must do something heightened to do that rather than, I think the beginning point is always just to think truthfully about it. And obviously it is in verse, and sometimes I would ask people to, you know, to really you know, have have a go at that just to understand how the rhythm helps you as actors, where the clues are in the in the language Shakespeare uses to assist you as an actor. You know, he does an enormous amount for you. So that would be part of it. But um it would almost always come down to often simplifying, do less, do less, do less, just contact. And then you'd really see people sometimes really surprise themselves and emotion bubble up or something bubble up that they hadn't anticipated. And that was always a good clue for me. Mm. That 
there's there's potential of something you know that the people are able to dig a bit deeper to contact something and that was always exciting of course mm. um so sort of on that and on focusing on truth being you know the cornerstone i think of of doing a great audition um and and great acting really what well, do you did- think um what would be your advice in then picking a monologue because obviously Whopper, for instance has a a list you have to pick a monologue you know from that list other schools perhaps you can pick your own or there's a a combination of the two um what would your advice be for for choosing a monologue well i think it'd really be to one that you connect with the most um something that you feel you can contact personally and, and find and have some kind of insight into or some kind of connection to um it's tricky if you can't of course Mm. um uh, but that would, to me, would be the thing to really look for, um, and really, often, you know, and not, and to find something, yeah, because often at the audition stage, I don't like thinking about character. I, mean, I think usually, it's about personalising it, making it feel that it's you speaking through this this character. At that point, you know, I'd be, I'd be interested in characterization, changing those things. But I think, um, you know, often, uh, well, the first year of drama school is all to do uh, what, uh, you know, what I tried to, to do was to understand, you know, yourself and your part in the world and your place in it and understanding yourself a bit more so you can be truthful in, as yourself and therefore in your work. So, um, yeah, look, look something that you, you connect with really um, and take that as as deeply as you can. Mm. And and do you think in general, um, you know, aligning as much as possible with a monologue that's in the right age bracket or the right? Oh, or do you think? Yeah. Possible. Yes, yeah. I, it's a big temptation. And sometimes you know there would be audition pieces that were you know a check off piece or something where someone's in their forties or whatever, but not to try. You know, and of course you know at drama school as well. Where you, do check off, you know, if you're over 40, you put talcum powder in your hair, and, you know, <laughs> and have a stick, you know, because it seems those people are incredibly old. But again, it's just uh, finding in the speech the thing that's that's truthful and real and not over-characterizing. You know, it's not putting something on it, mm. you know, just put, adding character or, you know, stuff stuff that's going to blur and confuse rather than just get to the core and the, the simple things of the... And it's the speech. It's amazing how much um, I think I was a, uh, acting for me, doing plays in high school, and then out, coming out of high school. Character was what I think you you get drawn to, and what you can often think acting is. You know, being as big as possible or doing something as far from you as possible. That's um, right. So it can be a real wake up call. I think, especially I think I remember working with you on my first audition. It was exactly that. It was like, let's get rid of all that um, yes. and come to the core. And I, I've worked with, uh, in my second year, I did that um, workshop with Kevin Spacey. Oh, yes, and I yes. remember with almost everyone, he just got people to sit on their hands and do and do the, the same speech and just trying to limit people's, all that sort of extraneous stuff yeah. that we try to add into to things because then you kind of think you're acting you know you actually think oh this feels kind of good you know but yeah yeah you know and, and of course acting is about you know energy and, and sometimes you know that there, there are those elements in it and i i, I you know there is a, a kind of uh, you know it it's not exactly doing you know i've, I've also said to actors don't associate 
um, truth with being small. You know, if you're playing King Lear or, you know, <laughs> you know, many characters, you actually have to find the size and go up to this character with your energy and your resources. Do you know what I mean? It's not a matter of being bland, mm. but, you know, the kind of sitting on your hands, spacey thing, or sometimes the stuff that I would... Often I'd ask to just to take your time, just take your time. Now it's something happening. And it's always fantastic when you begin to see something shift in an audition speech. Um, and often, as is true often in rehearsals, when you push someone um, beyond what they are anticipating, sometimes they'll forget their lines, they'll forget their preparation. But something else wonderful can bubble up. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then that's the thing itself. That's the exciting part. Then suddenly you think, okay, you know, you really you realize that all the artifice and all the, the kind of useless preparation, or the I will do it like this, or this will have this kind of effect on people, uh, which is nonsense, goes, and you get to the core. Uh, essence of the thing and that's when it, it's wonderful to watch that's when acting happens really so I'm a big believer in things you know all that stuff of being in the moment and mm. the present and you know you can over prepare and think oh this this will make them laugh or this will make them cry and often people see you know I will do my comic thing and often even comic speeches have an underlying sadness or something else that you need to tease out and explore with actors so it's a very interesting process absolutely and i think as well one thing i always found was you think you've got uh two two or three minutes or you know two one minute pieces whatever it might be to you want you want to kind of squeeze in squeeze in every last bit of your <laughs> acting ability so you do, i'll do a bit of anger here a bit of tears but i think and, and i i'm not sure if you'd agree but i think going by what you're saying that what you're better off doing is going back to truth and just showing you know if you for watching the audition if you see that those few little moments of truth that's enough yeah. you don't it's not about seeing how versatile you are in one you know two minute piece no if someone can just make that that organic contact then you know you you then you think oh well that there's there's something there there's something there that can be you know uh, can be explored mm. through training and if they if the person can get there but if they can't and you know then it's going to be difficult for people actually mm. now Chris I remember when I helped out with the auditions um, I think I was in my second year we were auditioning up in Brisbane I was sort of surprised by how many <laughs> strange things I saw people doing in, in these auditions. Um, and it's... Well, it is Brisbane. It is Brisbane, of course, yeah. <laughs> um, but I wonder, is there any particular things that you would just say are complete no-nos in the, <laughs> in the audition, especially in the specific auditioning for acting school, that you see and you just kind of... <laughs> You rule people out straight away because I think people people no, were no, doing some some very fun stuff. Can you, can you remember what, for example? Uh, look, uh, well, the, the biggest one I saw, which which I imagined obviously isn't, um, um, was people being a little bit. Um, perhaps taking three to four minutes before doing an audition piece. Perhaps, yes. um, you know, they've gone to a movement school and they sort of 
Oh, do, do, do a kind of movement warm-up or something like oh. that. I, I, I got the impression that, um, that I think, as you're saying later, personality is an aspect of getting into drama school. And I think, yes. I'm not sure if you'd agree, but you, you're looking for people who are relatively down-to-earth and seem easy to work with. And if people are perhaps, you know... Um, but I don't know what, if that yeah, is I, yeah, know, I that's just my I judgment on it. I don't give the impression either that I'm looking for people who are kind of easy. I mean, I like people who – I don't mind people who are <laughs> difficult, inverted commas, in the <laughs> sense of wanting to be – wanting it to do it right, you know, mm. to, who, are, who are always questing for – to make it better, who want, you know, your time as a director or a teacher to, you know. And that's not being difficult to me, you know, being willful and stupid and – someone is but I, I think the big no-nos are really just you know because there are a lot of bad teachers out there as well and often you can tell people have been prepared by people who haven't got a clue actually what they're doing mm. uh, you know who this poor person has put all their faith in yeah. um, and you can kind of see right through that and again you just have to you know kill their darlings and <laughs> take away all their beloved you mm. know tricks that they they that as someone has, has told them to do. You can sometimes see when someone has been working with someone and overworked with them, mm. uh, which has left them rigid and sterile and dead in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. It's <laughs> um, terrible saying. Yeah. wanted to change gears a little bit um, mm. and jumping now as if a student has managed to get through this rigorous process there yes. at drama school, they're starting drama school. Mm. Obviously, you've seen, you know, cohorts of students you know go through year after year um yes. are there kind of common qualities um in students that you think will like certain students that tend to get the most out of drama school or is there any advice for students um going through the process of a drama school yeah i, I mean it, it's a very difficult it's often hard because some people, someone coming at 18 could be, you know, which is very rare actually, we took people at 18, but um, some people just take time, you know, um, to, and drive you nuts for two years mm. before you see the promise fulfilled, you know, and so one good thing about Whopper, I think, was the, always from the beginning, the belief in the late developer that, you know, sometimes we knew that however maddening this person could be, that actually... Um, you know, and sometimes I've seen it, you know, at the end of third year, someone will give you the performance or whatever that you've been waiting to see from that audition, from that little clue you got then. Uh, it's a difficult one that, I mean, the main thing is, I mean, I, I trained as an actor in England and I look back and I just, you know, um, kind of buggered about really for the first two years and didn't take it very seriously, had great fun, of course. Um, and I just wish, looking back, I'd, I'd been much more, not serious about it, not solemn about it, but really serious about my work. And I think um, come to drama school ready to really use every moment. As you know, Andrew, it mm -hmm. goes really quickly. Those three years whiz by. And if you haven't really gone into, you know, and, and when I think back to the people who've, who've used Whopper well, they're the people who've often gone into every class wanting to learn something and take something from that class. And get used to doing that from the beginning would be my advice because it's very easy just to not prepare, to, you know, to, to, to go through classes, just to, you know, sit quietly and not really, you know, with your mind somewhere else. But there is a lot of expertise if you're going to somewhere like Whopper. You know, people, 
people, the staff do know what they're talking about and listen carefully to what they've got to say. Don't be offended. You know, they're on your side. Often people take offense mm. at notes and, you know, assimilate notes. Think about notes, you know, reflect on them. Take them deeply into yourself. Are there patterns emerging in my work? Are there default positions that I always take? Do you know what I mean? Be prepared to be guided. Well, I think, I think thinking on that, one of the mistakes I made early on was thinking um, it's really about impressing your teachers and impressing your peers. Yeah. And I think what you realize once you leave is that it's actually better, I think, to use drama school as the place to make all those mistakes. Because obviously, it- though, it's great to you know, have teachers and, and, you, and your fellow students think highly of your work, and, and, you know, um, but to, you, to not think about Oh, I've got a nail, you know, because I think a lot of people, we, we go in and we're perhaps strong in one area. And, and if you're going in with the mindset that you want to, to impress people, you'll stick to what you know. Um, and That's I think, right. you know, and it was always the people in, in my year and other years that I saw, like you say, who put their hands up first and did the exercise first. And often, <laughs> you know, it, it didn't go as well as some of the later people, but it, they took that risk. And I think that sort of attitude is definitely the best way to... I mean, it's all about failing, actually, isn't it? It's yeah. It's a thing to say, but, you know, it's constant failure. I mean, we fail and fail and fail, and, you know, like the old Beckett thing, you know, just fail better or whatever he said. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That it, uh, Unless you get that in your head, and there's no such thing as the perfect thing or the definitive performance, but the, we're all just questing and we're all, you know... Uh, all on, you know, questing towards something and trying and attempting and failing and getting up and you know, dusting yourself down and all those sort of cliches. But that's kind of what it is, you know, and that doesn't end. You know, it happens, you know, you know I've directed a play recently in Sydney and, you know, you, do, you, do you know what I mean? My own work and you're as vulnerable and as open and, you know, hard on yourself and fail and, you, do you know what I mean, as ever. And it, you've got to keep that as an artist. Mm. Never close off. Never close off and think I've done it. I've achieved this. You know, we we must be open and we must go on and keep questing. Mm. Um, actually, on that, Chris, because you like you said, you recently uh, directed a play and you've obviously worked on plays outside of um, drama mm. school. Having yeah. obviously headed up one of the biggest drama schools in the country and perhaps around the world, and and obviously been in an institution. For a long time, mm. how do you see acting training in the broader industry? Let's say, do, do you see? Are you a, a still a, a big advocate of going to a traditional three-year drama school? I am, and there's been. A, I, just, I was just reading an interview with Juliet Stevenson, the the English actress, the other day, who just saying gives you, you know, it gives you the toolkit, mm. and you know, you may do well. And of course, some people don't need to train. They're their whatever they are, their charisma, their you know is is enough. They don't need to train, but I do think most people do actually need to train, and that's why I'm concerned as well that overall the you know that if there are cuts to training, if hours are cut in training, then inevitably it will chip away the quality of the actors that are produced. I believe um, you have to. Uh, you know, and I and I see the dangers all the time in the in the major drama schools doing less work of you know, it happened a whopper being told to you know teach less, mm. uh, things like that, not to have one on ones, not to give the feedback, and 
unfortunately or fortunately, it's one of those kinds of training that just needs that time. You know, it needs that investment in time. It needs the hands-on. You can't do it over a computer at home like so many courses can be delivered successfully. Mm. So I'm a, I'm a great believer in training. It's not for everyone. And, mm. you know, it's sometimes people realize that at WAP or, realize, you know, and we said there are other ways you can achieve your goals. It's not through this fairly, you know, th this classic training that, that WAPA um, offered. And there are other ways. But um, in answer to your question, yeah, I'm a, a great believer in, in the rigor of drama school and the toolkit it gives you to actually you know, have diverse skills that you can draw on, vocal skills, you know, how to warm up, you know, you, and just those skills of working with other people successfully and organically and um, on a project, creating work together, all those things are, mm. I think, irreplaceable. I think just, and it, yeah, and like you say, just the sheer, I mean, to get that amount of time on stage, even if you rule out the classes, to get that in an amateur or professional setting, you know, perhaps outside of the three years, you know, could take 10 years or longer. Well, I, you know, and I think particularly Whopper, it's, it's great strength. It's, it's, you know, second years do five productions a year and third years do five. You know, there's 10 plays you're working on, very diverse, you know, from Chekhov to, you know, contemporary Australian to Shakespeare, whatever it is. And man, that that is what teaches you that you know working with outside directors, you know staff directors, um, that that experience is just fantastic. You know, working on great plays, nothing like it. Mm. So, do you, do you think once leaving drama school, are you? What would be your advice then for a lot of you know? I've seen a lot of actors, um, friends of mine, that without that structure. Have oh. <laughs> Well, Fall, fallen apart a little bit, but um, you know, because that structure really works for a lot of people, um, and it, it can does. seem hard. Acting is a craft or an art that you you really need to be working with other people. It's not perhaps something like uh, painting, which we, we might touch on in a minute, which is something you've taken up. But something you, like yes. that, where you can work on your own, or, or are you a believer that you should be? Learning a monologue every week, or what, what well, would I be your advice? Keep, I keep up the skills, particularly the voice work and read. You know, set yourself goals. You know, read two plays a week, or go to play readings. You know, like you know the um, Berkeley books, and uh, and now they're at the old Fitz. I think you know, mm. be part of readings. Go and listen to plays. Stay active. Otherwise, I do think it's very easy. And I, you know, talking. You know, I was in LA recently and talking to some graduates and. Um, from all, you know, from some from many years ago, some recent, you, you know, and how just easy it is to get into a bad state of mind or a bad place, you know, and how to keep buoyant and keep positive. And I think what's underestimated is, and going back to our, your original question, actually, is you have to look at people's temperament. You know, everyone who goes from school has got, you know, is of one of 18 places from 900 auditioned or whatever it is, you know, have, have talent. But I think it's the people who have the right sort of resilient temperament, the right sort of positive temperament to succeed are the ones that actually, you know, often go through. And that's, under, you know, and often that's something people underestimate is actually your resourcefulness, your inner core of strength that can kind of see you through your ability to face rejection, your ability to, you know, say, okay, well, you know, I was too tall or I was mm. too small. Or, <laughs> um, next time, you know, 
uh, and I'll keep working. I won't give up, mm. and I won't become a coffee shop actor who just moans all the time and mm. is and become and you know people become bitter and then you know and becoming embittered is you know it's all easy for me to say this, but I just say stay really positive, do things, keep working on your craft, mm. keep working on text, work hard, you know, if you can. Um, get a project together, get together with a mate, get together, you know, that's a wonderful thing. You've got, you know. A community. A community of, yeah. of graduates and their colleagues and friends, even from other drama schools, who've got a common language and can say, let's do it, rather than just sit around. I know it's easily said, um, but, you know, I would really recommend that. Because sometimes as well the difficult thing is to know that it might take 10 years for you to become you know, to grow into your looks or, you know, you might have early success because whatever reason, the way you look, and then that might be finished by the time you're 30. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? People don't want that anymore. And then the person who's been slugging it out for 10 years, suddenly it's their time. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a real... Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing you do learn since being out is you just absolutely have to try and run your own race because if you if you stay in that sort of competitive mindset, because as you say, they are factors that are out of your control. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for, for a lot of people, it is a time game and, you know, and for some people, like I say, it's just, I, I did an interview with Lee Lewis who um, yes, runs, runs yeah. yeah, Griffin and, and she said this very interesting thing, just it what you realize it's actually can you deal with the lifestyle yes because um, obviously going to drama school it's a very structured environment um and That's some people I, some people it's just not it's just not for you to for them. And some so, people give up the minute they leave whopper you know mm. after three years they just can't say this isn't for me this whole agent this whole you know razzmatazz it's not to my taste. I'm going to do something else, and that's mm. fair enough. That happened to me after drama school as well. Yeah. I moved into directing straight away. You know, and I would say, look at the signals that are coming back to you as well. What's the industry making of you? Not just what are you making of the industry, but you know, what are the, you know? What's your agent hearing about you? You know, are you what? Why aren't you? Why aren't things happening? Is there something you can work on? Is there something you can really reflect on? Is there something in you that isn't is you know locked? That isn't allowing you to reach the kind of fulfillment you want. So Lee's right, and that's what I mean by temperament as well. You know, mm. it's, it's that. It's how you deal with it, how you live your life. You know, it's not just talent. Mm. Brilliant, Chris. Well, you've yeah shared some fantastic insights. It's so great to hear from someone who's had so much experience with. You know, you know more than anyone. I think you know, having auditioned so many students and and working at such a great drama school. Um, I had a few final questions, um, just some little takeaways for people. Is yep. there a? I don't want to necessarily say your favourite play, but perhaps a play that you've read recently, or a play that comes to mind when you think um, something that everyone needs to read as an oh. actor. Big question. Um, big question, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when you say what's my favourite play, I would probably always say um, Three Sisters, Chekhov, because um, uh, it's a play, like all Chekhov's work, that I always go back to, and as I get older, I understand more, and you understand other things about them. You know, they're the plays that interest me, ones that kind of, you know, still yield up secrets to you many years after you first engaged with them. But, um, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I, I've kind of, uh, I just recently read, um, is it Hangmen, the new Martin McDonough play? You know, I think he's such a fabulous writer. Yeah. An interesting writer. I've kind of, be- you know, because I've left Whopper and kind of left that world in a way, um, I don't read as many plays as I used to. My, You know, the books on my shelf are about painters and painting, as you indicated earlier. I don't go to the theatre much because I don't enjoy it much. You know, there's, there's, I rarely see productions that are really genuinely... Um, exciting or yeah, well tiered <laughs> might have or, to might have to unpack that quickly so yeah what what is it do you think you just you're just not finding that um I, you're walking away no I, I, i'm not walking away and this has gone on for some time you know I, I you know it's like i would often prefer student productions to professional productions in australia actually simply because there's something more organic and more you know um uh about them but you know I go and see work and I think oh well you know and I I walk out unchanged unmoved um, un- untouched and um, I think that's a shame and I don't think it's me it is part of I suppose an element of always going to productions with a kind of imaginary notebook in my head do you know what I mean yeah, sure. I'm used to taking notes on things and talking about that I see it technically but um, when I see something that does surpass that then that notebook doesn't exist, and I had the same joy in it that I had when I used to go to the Aldwych as a as a teenager, in, you know, in London, and uh, see, you know, all those amazing early Peter Brook works. But I think there is a bit of a crisis I, in in some ways, um, in maybe in writing, in directing to a degree. I think directing training isn't as good as acting training in in Australia, mm. and possibly. Uh, worldwide, but anyway, these are sorry, these are big questions in themselves mm. as well, but kind of interesting ones to pursue at another time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, no, fantastic, fantastic thoughts. Um, so, actually, that would lead to my final question: is if we're steering away from plays, um, is there particular TV shows, films that you've been watching recently? Anything you you just think is a must see for actors or for people in general? Um. Well, obviously, the greatest friend in spelling bee is is the. Uh, oh yes, we ha- <laughs> I'll give you a little plug on that one. When's that? When's that um, coming to air? The next. Season? No, I, I, I've just finished recording the next ten episodes, so I think that's on in July. We're not we're not sure yet, but uh, but you see, that's an interesting one uh, as well. You know how uh, I was thinking of that while we were talking. You know, of keeping different doors open, of saying, you know, there are lots of possibilities out there, lots of things that can actually happen if you're open to those things happening. Mm. And I think a lot of people get closed off and aren't open to to things, you know. So, you know, at my age, another kind of career has opened up, and I think that's fantastic. Very you exciting. Know, I, I, it's, I'm very joyful about that. But in terms of plays um, or films, um, anything with Marion Cotillard and I would go and watch mm. the French actress who's, I think, is the best actor working in the world today mm. fantastic um and so for people who want to sort of stay up to date with what you're doing chris and with the spelling bee stuff what's the best way to sort of keep in touch with you do you have a twitter account um, or a- i don't use it much i've got a website chrisedmond.net that people can look through where my i put my new paintings on and, and things like that but i i'm not a big twitterer or a, sure and uh, we haven't we haven't had a chance to speak about that much but i do recommend everyone Check it, check that out because it was only in the last sort of few, maybe how long has it been now? T- last ten years that you sort of 
Last took four up, years of taking up painting, yeah. Oh, it's that short, yeah. A very short and time, yeah, yeah. So it's been, again, it's been something that, um, and that was really on the advice of, um, of um, a quite well-known Whopper graduate who I, I got stuck in my, um, uh, I had writer's block and this um, friend told me that he knew someone in New York who got blocked. I think he's a composer. And I think probably a shrink said to him, look, don't flog away at that thing. Try something else and it will free you up in that. Do you see what I mean? So mm. I thought, oh, okay, I'll try painting. I'd never trained or anything, but I've been kind of interested in it. And it was um, completely freeing and my, my work is, you know, I do it really quickly. It's straight to the canvas. It's kind of emotional, visceral, you know, often mm. things which I work, you know. Um, I like about acting, actually. Um, yeah, so, you know, again, it's just, you know, just in terms of being open to things, Andrew, you know, mm. that give people that advice and don't get stuck, don't get bogged down, do something else. If it is writing or painting or, you know, mm. something else, dancing, whatever it might be, then that, that frees you up in the area you want to be freed up in and, and can unblock things, open the, you know, the channels of feeling, Yeah, which is what it's all about. And that's a beautiful, beautiful line to finish it on, I think, Chris. Um, oh, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to have a chat. It's my pleasure. My great pleasure. Awesome. We'll talk again soon. Okay, mate. Thanks. See you, mate. Bye. And there you have it, our third episode of Stage Milk Acting Conversations with Chris Edmund. We didn't get to chat about it much in the podcast just near the end there. We did mention that Chris is now doing a lot of fantastic artwork. You can check out more of that at chrisedmund.net. Um, please do that. He does some amazing work and you can also find out um, more stuff about uh, Chris and what he's got going on on that side as well. As always, if you like the podcast, please subscribe uh, so you stay, stay up to date with all the new episodes. And thank you again. We will see you next week. <laughs>